Welcome in everyone to the Deep Dive Dynasty podcast, episode number 72. Oh yeah. We are your hosts, as always, Toby and Colin. Toby, how's your week been, my boy? It's been fantastic. I've been mm-hmm. watching preseason football. The great hole that was hurting my heart <laughs> is slowly being filled up, hmm. and I will return to full form on September the 9th. Yeah, uh, it's a lovely time watching the likes of Nathan Peterman <laughs> just lighting it up. In this episode, we are continuing and actually concluding our ranking series we've gone through the last four episodes talking about our combined tiered rankings for each position and this week we are going through our wide receivers so because there are so many of them and this week i'll let you know there's 89 we've decided to talk about today so quite a lot more than we've done at every other position just shows you how deep the wide receiver position is We're going to move tier by tier, we're going to mention everyone's name, and then we're going to highlight the players that either we disagree with each other on, or we collectively disagree with ADP on, someone that we think is a great value or is someone that you really need to avoid at their current ADP. As always, before we get into it, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive Dynasty. Also, I'd really appreciate if you left us a review and subscribed on whatever podcast app you're listening on. We've got a group of nine in our tier number one. I would say before we even get into individual players, I just want to say my philosophy. If you are doing startup drafts right now, like we are talking about the very top of your draft, there isn't that CMC level difference maker at wide receiver. My general philosophy, draft from the bottom of these tiers, not as much from the top. But this tier of nine is... Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Calvin Ridley, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, targeting these different players, certain guys are better if you are going all in for just winning right now, and certain guys have, what, six, seven years of age on their side where you can be taking a Justin Jefferson at 22 rather than a Devontae Adams at 28 right at the top. And Devontae Adams, you know, in our individual rankings is actually still my number one. I just think he's too big of a difference maker to not go for at the top of your draft. Like if I'm going to spend up on one of those wide receivers, to me, it's going to be Devontae Adams. But I absolutely understand why Justin Jefferson would be your number one. Like mm-hmm. clearly six years of age in terms of difference and a record setting rookie yes. season. The six years of age is the only reason I have him over Adams to mm-hmm. me. Is Justin Jefferson the full complete package that Devontae Adams is? No, he is not. But I say, no, he's not yet. There's no telling where this guy's ceiling is at yet. I do not think he's going to replicate everything he did this first season. He'll take a little bit of a setback. And even with a little setback, he's still going to be worth that dynasty. He's 22 years of age. By the time he gets to where Adams is, very excited to see what he's become. Totally. Yeah, I I think he's obviously a great talent. I had him myself at number two, so I didn't strongly disagree with this take at all. I just feel like for any wide receiver to hit the ceiling that Devontae Adams has right now is so rare that I just still wanted to keep him at one, even though realistically he's only probably got three truly elite years left before Mm -hmm. he starts to fall off a bit. One guy I would also want to just pick out from this group is, specifically for redraft, I really, really love Calvin Ridley and the value you can get him on right now. I just think because of Julio Jones' departure and the fact that I'm not quite as confident in 
Kyle Pitts as some of these other people. I also don't have a huge amount of confidence in their running game. I still see this offense putting up a lot of yards, and I think so much of that target share is going to be funneled into Calvin Ridley that even though to this point I've never been that high on him, and honestly, him being already 26, having only a few years in the league, I believe this is his third season in the NFL, You'd think of him as being a little bit younger, but I still want to target him heavily right now just because I think he can eat up so much of that target share. If I'm in a redraft league, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who's in it. Absolute hooligans okay. or absolute elite members, and someone takes Calvin Ridley as the first wide receiver off the board, I can't even be mad at them. Yeah. He has I, that ceiling. I think he does too. Julio's I, gone. Matt Ryan's his quarterback. He has the route running prowess. Mm-hmm. He could do it. I can't make an argument for anyone besides Devontae Adams to be number one, but after that... I think the next very large group, any one of them could be the wide receiver too. And that's why I'm saying like, pick from the bottom of this group, because when we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins at nine, that's not a massive jump down from number one to number nine. So I'm usually drafting the eighth to the ninth wide receiver off the board. The next tier is a pretty big one going all the way from wide receiver 10 to wide receiver 24. (laughs) That is a mammoth tier. It is. But that is the depth at the wide receiver position. There's so many good players to be had. You've got Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas, DJ Moore, Jamar Chase, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Amari Cooper, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, and Deontay Johnson. Like you said, this is a very large tier. And interestingly, it ends at wide receiver 24. These top 24 receivers are the top 24 in ADP. So mm-hmm. we don't have anyone who's reached this tier that we're, you know, going at wide receiver 35 or anything. Like we somewhat agree with consensus that like these are the top 24 guys you need to go out and get. But we do have a few slight differences. Like I think we're a little bit lower on Jamar Chase. And honestly, that could be some of the more recent news to me, because not only if we're going to talk about the allocations from his uh, pregnant girlfriend that have come out in the last couple days. But beyond that, his performance so far through minicamp and training camp, I think it's not entirely shocking because he didn't play all of last year. He opted out like it's going to take a bit of time for him to get back to speed. I still obviously believe in the prospect, but we all hoped that him coming onto the Bengals, he would have made more of an impact by now. So I could see why consensus might have him a little bit higher and we have him, you know, slowly floating down the board a little bit. This absolutely to me is a tier where if you're in a draft, the reason why I am willing to go more running back heavy at the start of my drafts or in a super flex, more quarterback heavy, get those positions figured out early is because if I come out of a draft and my top two wide receivers are Amari Cooper, who we have at 21 and Deontay Johnson we have at 24 as my one and two it's like I've got pretty good wide receivers I'm feeling solid absolutely so that is why I like to fill out the other positions first but then you do hit this tier and the couple of tiers below it where I do want to pound wide receiver because it's not only this tier the tiers below it too like there is still a ton of talent that obviously we can get into now going from wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 31 is Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Cortland Sutton, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Odell Beckham Jr. So that group makes up a lot of our wide receiver threes. And when I look at this group of wide receiver threes, like these are legitimate stud wide receivers still. Someone like Robert Woods or someone like Tyler Lockett. These are players that 
Sure, they're a little bit older. Robert Woods is 29 and Ty Lockett's 28. But these guys have been wide receiver ones tons of times and they haven't showed to this point that they're slowing down. Like they still are playing at a very elite level. So again, it just reaffirms that notion that you can wait a little bit on the wide receivers rather than taking right from the top. Maybe you take one guy, like you've got that one, okay, C lamb, and then I can hold off and mm-hmm. I can take some running backs, take some quarterbacks because this group is very, very good. I would say in particular, if you already have a wide receiver from the first tier, by the time you're looking into the second tier wide receivers, just wait. Fill out other positions that are going to best benefit you. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Uh, is there anyone in this group that you think you're really targeting at where they're going at their ADP? Guy I'm targeting for sure, Cooper Cup. Okay. Cooper Cup, he's pretty old. All right, he's 28. Ridiculous. I don't know if our wide receiver. I think there's a chance that Cooper Cup is going to be the guy in LA. I actually think both Woods and him are likely great values right now because these guys, their price really hasn't changed, even though they got a pretty large upgrade at quarterback. I think Stafford has the potential to be a truly elite passer this year. And these two are going to soak up so much target share that I think I was talking about this with Tyler Higby a couple weeks ago, where it doesn't seem like we have really adjusted to the fact that the ceiling for all of these guys now with a much improved passing game could push them a good amount higher. And we already see Woods and Cup flirting with that wide receiver one level. So I think they potentially both could be really good values. Another guy I like across all formats is Tyler Lockett. And I think that is just 100% that one of the least consistent things year to year is consistency week to week. So people are so concerned, obviously, about last year, Tyler Lockett had absolute blow up games and absolute disappearing acts. What we've seen historically is that these type of players that are boomer bust, they're not necessarily going to be that year after year. And we've seen that with certain players, like for example, Tyreek Hill. Last year, he was actually super consistent. Most of the years prior, he he wasn't. So it's hard to predict. Tyler Lockett is the skill set that won't allow for such inconsistency to continue. I would agree. I think like short- And quarterback play. He's not going to be like a the PPR monster, consistent every week, Michael Thomas type player. But what he is going to be is a wide receiver too. And it's unlikely that those points are going to be coming as sporadically as they have last year. So he's absolutely a target for me. I'm happy if Tyler Lockett is my wide receiver too, week in and week out. We have another smaller tier next. It goes from wide receiver 32 to wide receiver 35. And it is Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel, Adam Thielen, and Julio Jones. And looking at this tier compared to the tier below, it really seems that these are the guys, other than Jalen Waddell, that are more of those win-now players. And it is hard to compare because within this tier, we're talking about comparing Jalen Waddell with Julio Jones. Like, this is very, very team-dependent. And when you are going through these rankings, you have to think in that way that certain guys you should be pushing up these tiers or down these tiers because if you're pushing hard to win right now, you start off your draft with Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott. And you're like, okay, 
I'm reasonably old, I'm not gonna be that good in three years, but right now I'm great, then go get Julio Jones way before you get Jalen Waddle. That just makes sense. Yeah. You gotta go win that championship. And it's vice versa. So it is hard for us to sit here and create this list of rankings because your team should value each of these players slightly differently depending on where it is within your own standings. But for these three guys, other than Jalen Waddle, we're talking about Debo, Thielen, and Julio Jones. I think those three can really make a big difference sliding them in as that wide receiver two or three for your roster. Particularly Thielen and Jones are a little bit older at 31 and 32 years of age, but I expect both of them to be one of those top 24 wide receivers in terms of 2021 scoring. And both of them have the upside to be genuinely like top five wide receivers. That could happen. Thielen did it last year, especially through the first half of the year. He was, I think, the number one wide receiver for a while, which is insane to think about. I think I couldn't see Jones going top five, but I could see him going top 10. The amount they're going to push Derrick Henry and the amount they want AJ Brown of the offense... I feel Jones' ceiling is maybe a little bit capped. But, I, I mean, know. he is Julio Jones. He's Julio, he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. It's a different scheme, potentially, with a new OC. So maybe they aren't going to be as run-heavy. Maybe this is the year Derrick Henry falls off a cliff and they can't rely on the running game. Like I just want to justify the whole range of outcomes. Sure, and yeah. With that talent and Ryan Tannehill throwing him the ball, I think the ceiling is still really high. I obviously wouldn't project either that he would be a top-five guy. Yeah. The next tier from wide receiver 36 to 42 is... Is, I think, the most exciting tier. Just as you say these names, I'm excited. I get that, yeah. You got Elijah Moore, DJ Chark, Terrace Marshall, Tyler Boyd, Rashad Bateman, Will Fuller, and LaVisca Chenault. (laughs) Who knows, man? (laughs) (laughs) I find what's similar between all these players Mm -hmm. is... A massive question mark. Okay. And all of these question marks are the same. But for example, Elijah Moore, tons of camp hype. I really like him as a prospect. Mm-hmm. We've already talked to him a lot on this podcast. I don't know what the Zach Wilson Jets are going to look like. Yeah. No Even go really all does. the way to the bottom, LaVisca Chenault. I don't really know what the Trevor Lawrence offense is going to look like. And do you know what? We've talked about this Urban Meyer slot role featured part of his offense. Could it be LaVishka? And I think it was a lot of the time going to be ETN. And my projections now, if I'm going to pick a guy who most likely fits that role, I think it's LaVishka. So even more so than he already was, he is now a complete breakout candidate. Like everything has aligned with his quarterback getting better, with his role likely increasing. He definitely is poised to break out, but it's hard to push him above so many Mm -hmm. other guys when we just haven't quite seen it yet. But I I understand your optimism. Like Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, and Rashad Bateman are all rookie wide receivers that I'm incredibly excited about. DJ Chark totally makes sense within this tier. Tyler Boyd, I think, is a guy that is always slept on. Like he is never given the respect he deserves. And now especially because they brought in another wide receiver. You can get him at wide receiver 40 off the board. And I would be shocked if he doesn't outperform that, to be honest. He's just too good of a player and is too heavily targeted year in and year out. And then last week's Dynasty by the Week, Will Fuller. We already talked about the fact that you can get him as the wide receiver 49, and we have him here at 41, eight spots higher. He absolutely scares people away with his injury history, but the upside that he can provide as a legitimate number one for a team is unlike anything else in the tiers below that like I don't understand why he can be going at wide receiver 49. Yeah, it's too low. It is indeed. 
Next, from wide receiver 43 to wide receiver 50, we have Curtis Samuel, Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney, Rondale Moore, Robbie Anderson, Corey Davis, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup. Who from this tier is uh, your real target, Toby? Believe it or not, long-time <laughs> 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 listeners, um, it's Darnell Mooney. Hmm, shocked. Yeah, that wasn't a question Darnell that I already Mooney's knew the answer 54. to. Mm-hmm. That's obscene, okay? People have said mean things to me before, but this one hurts. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was already ahead of ADP on where I have Darnell Mooney ranked. Um, yeah, it, I, Darnell Mooney may be this high because of Toby, so... Darnell Mooney is going to be on an offense that's going to need to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And he has the skills to separate, and he's going to have a breakout year, if he didn't already. I also, in terms of targeting for Dynasty, I think Robbie Anderson is a great pickup. Just got a new contract. Yeah, two more years with it the Carolina Panthers. pretty exciting. And I also think, you know, you have Terrace Marshall and DJ Moore. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and I totally understand that. But Robbie Anderson can do something to that offense that other people can't. He has field-stretching abilities, but doesn't just run the fly route. He kind of blew everyone away, at least mm-hmm. last year. Because back in the Jets, he was pretty much just a field-stretcher, and then he yeah. came to Carolina, and that totally changed. And right now, his ADP has, I think, yet to correct for this new contract, or people are forgetting just how usable and startable he was last year. He's a guy that I think you can get for a pretty great value. My difficulty with projecting him in particular as well as just this offense is that, so obviously I really like DJ Moore, and I am very on the record thinking that Terrace Marshall is an absolute breakout candidate, a prospect that I love, and I think he'll be very involved early, and I've also really lost faith in Sam Darnold. And so regardless of Dynasty, where you can kind of justify it that I think maybe Sam Darnold won't have a great season and he'll be replaced just straight up how I think all of these players will do in 2021, it's hard to find that balance because I do think I look at the upside of Terrace Marshall could have a reasonable rookie breakout in my mind. And I think Robbie Anderson is probably going to be very solid. And I think DJ Moore is probably going to do even better than he did last year. And you take all of this into account, that should mean that Sam Darnold's going to put up a lot of yards. But I just, I look at him in particular, and I have a really hard time projecting that. So it's very interesting. There's a few situations like that. People often do it with Big Ben right now, where they like all three wide receivers, but somehow don't like Big Ben. It's difficult to see which of those sides will win out. I hope that Sam Darnold really can just level up, support all these players, and this can be a reasonably prolific offense because their wide receiver trio is really good. I don't know, maybe Sam Darnold's just going to be a 5,000-yard passer. Who knows? The next tier from wide receiver 51 to wide receiver 63 is Jarvis Landry, Henry Ruggs, Mike Williams, Kadarius Toney, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Parker, Jalen Rager, Paris Campbell, Marquise Brown, Nelson Aguilar, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards, and Diami Brown. This is a very large tier as well. And that does make sense. As you go further down the board, it's hard to separate between players more and more, and you can see much more significant values here or people that, you know, some may have ranked as their 50th guy. And for me to say, oh no, I have him ranked at 70, that's actually not that crazy of a difference like it would be at the top. But there are definitely some interesting names here. I think if you are going for like the win now mentality, someone like Jarvis Landry right at the top of here at wide receiver. Such 51, a great win now pick. He's just never respected 
that he's gonna put up wide receiver two or three numbers. And even us, like he's only 28, it's hard for me to put him above those guys we've already talked about because they have so much more upside. But realistically, he's probably gonna outscore a lot of the guys we've already talked about. He is solid, we know what he is, he's gonna get targeted heavily in this offense, and he's like a very good refined wide receiver. So even we here, we have him very similar to ADP, I think. Just collectively, everyone in fantasy seems just too low mm-hmm. on this guy. Is there anyone that you're really targeting or really fading in this group? Someone that I think we both faded to an extent is Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Oh, I definitely did. You yeah. you faded them much harder than I did. I think he's worth bringing up. Mm-hmm. I'm not a believer in the Ravens' wide receivers' consistency levels. I understand consistency is inconsistent, but I more so mean that I don't think this offense is calibrated and revolving around how prolific their wide receivers are. They're going to be a good offense. They're going to put up points. They're going to do so in relatively unorthodox ways, at least in relation to today's NFL. Marquise Hollywood-Brown is not going to sustain a good enough target share to be a helpful and viable person to try and go out and get. Mm -hmm. I have no problem letting this guy fall and fall and fall. That's why we have him ranked all the way down here. Yeah, his ADP is at wide receiver 46 we have him at wide receiver 59. I have him in the 60s in my own personal rankings. Yeah. Like We really I, have buried the guy. I don't think it's too difficult to understand. I look at a guy we have ranked above him, Kadarius Tony. He's a first-round wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's got a ton of upside. We don't know how good he's going to be. I'm not confident in him by any extent, but what I am confident in is that Marquise Hollywood-Brown is not going to be putting up the numbers that you would be drafting him at four. Yeah, I, I definitely am not willing to take him at wide receiver 46. Like, we have players like, you know, Michael Pittman, Rondale Moore, Robbie Anderson in that range. And these are just guys that not only am I more confident in their floor, maybe less so with someone like Rondell Moore, like he might not have the floor, but what those guys also have is a ceiling. And Hollywood Brown, I think because they're a low-volume passing offense, and they've brought in weapons that he's never really had to compete with. He now has Rashad Bateman, and even someone like Sammy Watkins, who's getting a ton of camp hype. Like, these guys are much better wide receivers than he's had to compete with in the past. He was the de facto number one. I don't think he's going to see even close to the target share that we've seen. And in the past, he wasn't even that great for fantasy. So he's, he's a total fade for me. I, I agree with you bringing him up, for sure. Another couple of guys from this group that we're a little higher on, I don't even necessarily feel like I'm that high on. I guess it's just a reflection of I think ADP has them too low. One is Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell, I think, is someone that is purely just people are afraid of injuries, and we haven't really seen it yet other than small stints at a time. Like the first few games of the year last year, he was their number one wide receiver, putting up some significant points, but then he was hurt all year, and we just kind of forget about the guy. I think we've collectively faded him a little bit too hard. ADP has him at 66. We have him eight spots higher at 58. I think he's definitely a worthy shot down once you're into this tier. Another guy that is all upside with zero floor is Brian Edwards, who ADP has him at wide receiver 71. We have him here at 62. And sure, he could do what he did last year, which is very little, but the college tape is incredible. All the metrics around him as a prospect are ideal and there are reasons that you can you know create a narrative of why he did not blow up last year so far this year through camp like early on this offseason i thought oh someone like john brown might come in and really like take away that opportunity supposedly no brian edwards has been very solid enough that 
he expects to be one of those wide receivers on the field at all times. It appears like it's going to be Hunter Renfro in the slot and Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs out wide. So I think those two guys out wide are very solid shots to take. The next tier from wide receiver 64 to 70, we've got Cole Beasley, Marvin Jones, Russell Gage, Mecole Hardman, Nico Collins, Gabriel Davis, and Amari Rogers. Snap judgment looking at this tier. The guys at the top here, maybe they will not be around for a very long time, but Cole Beasley, Marvin Jones, and Russell Gage all have a legitimate shot to be very startable, especially in a flex spot in fantasy this year. Marvin Jones, that Jags offense, whether it's Chenault or DJ Chark or Marvin Jones, I genuinely don't know who's going to be this wide receiver one. It could be Marvin Jones this year. That seems crazy for a guy whose ADP is at wide receiver 70. Too low. It's too low. I agree. And then above him, you got Cole Beasley. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to hate Cole Beasley, <laughs> but to have him all the way uh, down at wide receiver 75. That's, that's ridiculous. Like, last year, this man was a very usable wide receiver, and he and has not shown decline in his skill. In fact, there's nothing that the Bills offense has done that would expect him to do any worse. I do project his statistics will go down because the Bills offense was operating at such a high function, mm-hmm. but for Beasley's percentage target share to go down wouldn't make any sense to me. Beasley is an extremely safe bet that is way too low. That's why he leads this tier, I think, to a large extent. Yeah, last year he was the wide receiver 27. So that is a totally usable guy in PPR leagues. And sure, he's 32. He doesn't have that many years in front of him anymore. But because he's still almost locked into that wide receiver two spot on a very solid offense, these are guys you can get really late. Like wide receiver 75 is free in drafts. And if you are looking elsewhere at other positions, you know, we were talking a while ago about how like, oh, this third and fourth tier, like you can still get good wide receivers. You can neglect the position, take some upside shots and take Cole Beasley as a wide receiver six. And (laughs) he's going to be like a wide receiver three again. So you can just lock him in for the very short term that you can play him in your flex every single week. So I just think he's all upside at that low of a price. Then you've got some guys like Amari Rogers, Gabriel Davis, and Nico Collins who have a lot of upside. They are just, you know, incredibly low floor. They could totally bust out, but uh, they also could really become something. And separating those two groups, you've got Mikkel Hardman in the middle, who's another guy similar to Marquise Brown. I think we've faded this guy very hard. We have him at the wide receiver 67, and he's going in the 50s by ADP. And I think that's just a lack of skill we've seen so far in the NFL. I just don't think he's hit that ceiling that he easily could have hit. It's very possible he's the number two wide receiver in the most potent offense in the league. But I still, to this point, have not seen enough for me to expect anything long-term out of the guy. So I just think he's that prototypical burn down the field, spread out the offense, but doesn't get a huge amount of targets. We then have another tier from... Wide receiver 71 to wide receiver 76. And it's got Antonio Brown, Josh Palmer, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Christian Kirk, and Marquez Calloway. Marquez Calloway. The hype train is mm-hmm. not the station. It's interesting to, you know, we have him listed here and ADP has him as the wide receiver 101. But clearly, 
that has been changing very quickly as of late. And I don't think if you were doing a startup draft today, he's going off the board at wide receiver 101. I'm pretty confident about that. In fact, I would guess us having him here at wide receiver 76 would be reasonably low. I think most of the time he would go off the board in front of that because the hype is going off the rails right now. And it could actually happen. He could turn into a total surprise pick that just becomes that number one option. Like he has a great opportunity now, especially if Winston is in there at quarterback. Yeah. Obviously, they have a bit of a connection. We saw it in the preseason game just a couple nights Everyone ago. Everyone saw that dive and catch. Mm-hmm. There are two, two amazing yeah. catches yeah. by the guy. It is pure ceiling if you're taking him this late. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm not confident in his long-term outlook, but as long as Michael Thomas isn't there and he could potentially operate as the number one guy in this very solid Sean Payton offense, the ceiling you could get grabbing someone this late, like it makes sense that there's so much hype for the guy right now. Yeah. A lot of these other names are guys who, they're just fine shots to take, I'd say. Like Shepard, Slayton, and Kirk are all guys that we had a lot more hype for recently. Shepard in particular has gotten a little bit of camp hype this year, but I just don't think any of them quite have the ceiling that we hope for the last couple of years. And then uh, at the top of this tier, we got Antonio Brown. I actually do think he's probably usable this year. He's like a diet version of Cole Beasley, where <laughs> you know he's not going to be around for long, but uh, you can probably start him if you're in a pinch in, in the very short term, because that will definitely be a very good offense that spreads the ball around. Then finally, with our last quite large tier from wide receiver 77 to wide receiver 89, we have Dwayne Eskridge, Brashad Perryman, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Nikhil Harry, Olamide Zacchaeus, Van Jefferson, Jamison Crowder, T.Y. Hilton, Traquan Smith, A.J. Green, John Brown, and Hunter Renfro. None of these guys to me are incredibly exciting. Obviously, otherwise they would have been pushed up into some of the tiers above, but you're basically looking at someone that you think could become something for this year and this year alone, like maybe Zacchaeus because there's not a lot of target competition. Maybe T.Y. Hilton still has it. Maybe A.J. Green still has it. Or the total opposite where you think, okay, they might not be putting up anything now, but in the future they've got some upside. And you've got, you know, guys like Dwayne Eskridge, Van Jefferson, and Keel Harry. Those type of players, you know, fit this mold. So you're just either taking that shot on someone that's decent depth for the win now, or someone that, sure, they don't have a great opportunity, uh, yeah. but it could happen. So that's it, basically this dichotomy of yeah. what shots you're going to take this late in a draft. AJ Green perhaps best personifies this tier in which could just fizzle out into something that you're putting on waiver wires by week 10. Mm-hmm. Or you could be going, damn, I absolutely got a late round wide receiver steal. There's always going to be late round wide receiver steals. Totally. And it's up to you to use that tier-based system to figure out, okay. For example, when I look at this section we've got here, I see Van Jefferson, who okay. I don't really like that <laughs> crazy much. I know Colin, I don't. Re- Colin disrespects this Van, okay? I honestly think them drafting Tutu Atwell has made me like Van Jefferson I way just... more, because by comparison, I'm like, oh, well, Van Jefferson's pretty good. Yeah, I... I see him out of this group, and I see a path for him to become more fantasy relevant. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole point of using a tier-based ranking system. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton is too old. And I really like that guy. Best celebration in football. Prove me wrong. He puts his arms in his initials, T.Y. Hilarious. <laughs> but 
I worry that he's not going to have the quality quarterback play, and there's too many rising young stars in the Colts for him to be ranked higher than what we have him ranked at. Yeah, that's fair. There's you, you can make that argument for everyone. You either have that group of Van Jefferson-esque players, or you have that group of T.Y. Hilton-esque players. That's basically what this entire tier is. That brings us all the way to wide receiver 89, though. That is our wide receiver rankings to cap off this offseason series. We are now only a couple weeks away from the NFL starting, so we've got a couple other episodes. We're going to get into some My Guys, probably another mailbag episode, maybe a little mock draft. We've got some interesting things coming before the season starts. And then our content will transition to not redraft-esque, but we're going to be talking, obviously reacting to what's been going on in the NFL. So values will very quickly change once we see NFL game starting and that's going to be more what we'll be talking about is like who are the big risers who are the important guys to target or sell now etc so that's basically the forecast of what you're looking at from our podcast in the next couple of weeks but before we end this episode of course we're going to get into our dynasty buy of the week last week Toby guessed my Will Fuller clue on, I believe it was the third hint, so uh, let's see if I can match it. Toby's going to hit me with five hints. If you want to know how this game works, just look in the description below. Toby, hit me with hint number one. I played my college football at Texas A&M, transitioning from wide receiver to my team's starting quarterback. Interesting. Okay, Texas A&M, starting at wide receiver, moved to quarterback? I mean, I definitely don't know the quarterback who was a wide receiver on this team. Like, that is not a piece of information that I know, but there is a chance that somewhere in the, you know, recesses of my brain can I pull out quarterback prospects from Texas (sighs) A&M. I am notoriously awful at remembering what college certain guys come from. Like, I scout these guys so hard pre-draft, but I don't watch college throughout the entire season, so their team always just leaves my mind very early so this is one that i know listeners are sitting like oh come on man how do you not know this texas tech quarterback this is so obvious but i don't really know it i'm just going to pick a player that is an athletic quarterback obviously could have transitioned from a wide receiver it kind of makes sense i have no idea what school this guy went to i'm gonna guess Taysom hill totally fair it is not Taysom Hill. i don't think it is fair but i'm not happy with that guess I'm just going to read you this player's weeks 11 through 17. Okay. 21, 19, 29, 16, 37, 17, 28. I finished the year extremely strongly. So an athletic quarterback that finished the season super hot. Um, It's very frustrating to me that I don't know the places that quarterbacks played in college because it's something I should. I'm just going to guess... Is it Kyler Murray? It's not Kyler Murray. It wouldn't make sense he's a wide receiver, but I'm pretty sure he went to school around there somewhere. Hint three, I finished QB8 overall last year, and this offseason, my team added a highly talented, albeit aging, new wide receiver. I assume I have it. I could be wrong, but I definitely didn't know this guy went to Texas A&M. Is it uh, Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill. Ding it up. Ryan... Hannah Thrill. Yeah, many sure. reasons I couldn't have told you was college. Many reasons sure. you can like Ryan Tannehill. A lot of people talk about him as if he's old. He's 33, which I understand is mm-hmm. old-ish. Last season, he did nothing except make very accurate and proper decisions 
Yeah, no, in he the was pocket. Great. He was great. And when he was scrambling, the man was essentially mistake-free. And that's what impresses me so much, is he's not going to be using his legs all the time. When he does, think back to that Green Bay game, he scampers in for 30-plus yards. Mm-hmm. He's added Julio Jones. He's extremely safe, and he's arguably the least flashy quarterback in the NFL. This white boy quarterback... I strongly disagree. I like him. I really like him. <laughs> People do not talk about Ryan Tannehill as a reason to tune into football. Yeah. Unless, you know, you're a big Titans fan or Ryan's mother. <laughs> Any of these reasons. Ryan Tannehill is old enough that you can get him at value, doesn't have crazy name impact, and despite all the news that, you know, Julio Jones is there and Derrick Henry's a great running back, not a lot of dynasty owners talk about Ryan Tannehill in the way that they view him as such the valuable commodity that he is today, and I think he's still going to be in a couple of years. He's played himself into another contract very easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Uh you're just mimicking a lot of what I said on the quarterback episode. You were obviously yeah. off on your vacation. I, I definitely love Tannehill. He's one of my big targets of this year for sure, especially because for whatever reason, he seems to be going later than a few other quarterbacks in that range that I like Tannehill better than. His rushing floor is underrated for sure, and uh, I definitely cannot uh, disagree with him being a dynasty buy yet. He does have and has played his way into a good few more years as a starter in the NFL. And single quarterback leagues, I think he's one of those top 10 starters. You're looking at super flex league. He's a super valuable guy for the next few years. So I'm all over Tannehill this year for sure. You don't have a hard time convincing me, that's for sure. Yep, great choice on that one, Toby. And uh, that closes out our episode this week. Thank you guys all so much for listening. As I already mentioned, follow us on Twitter, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you are listening to right now. And cross your fingers for no more injuries in the preseason. Uh, yeah. One week Unfortunately, left. Unfortunately, one week left. I uh, think they're kind of inevitable. Yeah. Hopefully, they're not the guys we all have highly ranked and have already drafted. Precisely. It just freaks me out when uh, people have drafted already and they can potentially lose some of their early picks. That definitely can quickly ruin a fantasy season. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, we are your hosts, Toby and Colin. Peace.